Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Treichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. I've got two of my good friends and former colleagues at NCUA, John McKechnie and Jeff Bassino here today, and we're going to talk about the America's Credit Union's coming up merger and a few other things. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Great. Good. Doing good. All right. And John, if you could introduce, maybe give, for someone who hasn't heard our previous podcast or doesn't have at the top, they're not looking at LinkedIn and say, hey, what is John doing these days? Could you give a little bit of your background? Sure. I own a firm here in D.C., gov- government relations, public affairs, uh, McKechnie LLC. I have been doing this for 12 years now. Uh, prior to that, as you noted, I was at NCUA for probably five of the most exciting years NCUA's ever had uh, dur- during the mortgage market meltdown. And, and then prior to that, I was with CUNA for almost over 18 years. And then prior to that, I was on Capitol Hills. Clearly, I cannot hold a job, but I appreciate your having me on. It's shocking you're only 39 and you've done all that. You're like Jack Benny in that respect, yes. Very good. And Jeff, uh, a little summary of your, your journey. I met John when I was a CUNA. He joked how he obviously can't hold a job. I'll tell you what, I think I've gotten a lot more in the time that he's been doing that. So people don't keep me around. John and I met at CUNA, then I, I was fortunate enough to be appointed by Bill Clinton to be on the NCUA board where you and I met, Mark. And then after that, Bill George Bush was willing to appoint me to the Federal Finance Board. So whereas John had five of his most exciting years at NCUA, mine were fairly steady. It was when I was at the Finance Board that got iffy. Now I've got my own firm, the Senior and Associates. We manage three credit and trade associations, which like the two of you guys do consulting work with folks who have to work with not only agency, but other credit unions. You got it. You got it, guys. And and again, you both spent some time at CUNA, so you've got thoughts on this. We had a previous podcast when it got announced, and we promised each other we'd get back when the vote had been made. And I, I looked at a press release. It was, what, 94% of CUNA voted for it, and 86% of NAFQ members voted for it, of those who voted. So it was overwhelming. We can discuss what that means. We can discuss what this means moving forward. And John, I'm going to throw the ball to you. So here we are. The mergers have been approved by the membership. And what does it mean? I think it is interesting to note that in my years at CUNA, there was always an undercurrent that there might be one day a merger with NAFQ. But I think it was always, the supposition was always that it was going to occur maybe when one of the two CEOs retired. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast, that that didn't happen. It wasn't like either Jim Nussler or Dan Berger were about to leave. This just happened. It seems like organically, I think a lot of the members in the leadership seem to want to do things in a more streamlined way, maybe economies of scale. There was a, a definite amount of talk about the importance of speaking with one advocacy voice on Capitol Hill and with the regulator. So what does this mean? I think the it somewhat remains to be seen how that knitting these two organizations together is going to go. But I think generally people seem clearly by the numbers you just said, it, people want it. And we can talk further as the podcast goes on about 
some of the things that didn't happen between the announcement of the merger and the voting and now the conclusion. I think there's a general sense of positive, let's see what happens uh, around this merger. But again, you got two different cultures. I know that from my days at CUNA, we thought one thing. And then when I left CUNA, went to the agency and, and now on my own, I've gotten to work with the NAFQ team a lot more. And I see some real strengths in the two organizations apart. Um, and now we'll see what they, how they act when they're together. Yeah, no, that's a great point on culture. My, my Minnesota Vikings went from a Mike Zimmer culture uh, to a Kevin O'Connell culture. And, and they talk a lot about uh, how that allows them to bring in quarterbacks with only five days of experience and, and beat the Mike Atlanta Falcons. So I had to weave that in and culture was the way I was going to choose to do it. Jeff, any thoughts on the Vikings culture, the culture of merging CUNA and NAFQ or any where you can supplement your thoughts on what John said or your general thoughts? What's next? Yeah, and to work in Vikings reference. For those that don't know, John's a Baltimore Ravens fan and they're playing very well. I'm a Bears fan and we're sitting at two and six and looking like that. First round draft pick might be the overall number one if we're not too careful. So I don't know if I'm going to go into the Vikings culture, but I will say this. As you watch this thing play out, I'm reminded of the old joke of the dog who chases the car. And when he finally catches the car, he wonders what he's going to do with it now. And so I think that's going to be the next step. And we talked during the first podcast that we did about the devil will be in the details if it goes through. Now, I don't think at that time, any one of the three of us thought it wouldn't be approved. But the, the numbers from the NAFQ side, while they were very large at 86%, um, if you're thinking about kind of former Politburo elections and things like that, it's relatively low. That does mean that you have 14% of those voting were a no. And, and John spoke about when he was at CUNA, and I felt the same thing when I was at CUNA. Then you get to work with some of the folks at NAFQ when you leave. I just, I wonder if moving forward, and I think I may have mentioned this last time, if the, the lack of a second voice, and everybody wants to talk about a unified voice, which is great. The problem is that unified voice is wonderful, provided that it agrees with yours. Hmm. Doesn't all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, we need something else. And while I am not sitting here saying that would happen, I am saying I think it's human nature for people to look and say, okay, I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a honey, who knows how long that is. When you go to a, if you go to a podiatrist, the first thing he's going to look at is your feet, right? But if you go to me, first thing I'm going to do is talk about the DC advocacy piece and you somewhat alluded to it in terms of one voice. I, I felt you've had some real strengths in both organizations for a while. is larger, has more of a, has a bigger footprint here in D.C., but I think NAFQ pound for pound has been every bit as effective. And I know some of the people over at NAFQ, they're, they're top drawer on the Hill. They, and you can tell when you're on the Hill and you hear congressional staff talk about the NAFQ people, they're impressed. So how those two teams are integrated. Again, I'm, I, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not getting much inside information at this point. I think they're all trying to figure their way out. But it's, I think, let's, just, let's all hope that it, it's, it's a net positive and that by having the one voice, as you say, Jeff, let's make sure, let's hope that it, uh, they come to the right conclusions, which I think they can. But we'll Please. see. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, John. That's it. You talk about small versus large too. A smaller organization can be a little bit more nimble than a large organization. And now there's only that one organization as they do merge it and 
the new landscape is determined of who's going to have the voices, who's going to have the influence back to that culture. That culture is a big part of this. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the nimbleness of a smaller, of a smaller group, and I think that's one of the advantages that MapQ always had was, and I think John's absolutely right, they've had some real quality, still have some real quality people that do their government relations work. Frankly, all of their work spoke in a handful of differences. But moving forward, you wonder sometimes, whereas NFQ as a smaller group could move quicker, when you get a bigger group, it takes a lot more to get consensus. I tell you what, you, you go to a small mom and pop grocery store and have an issue and you're talking to the owner. You go to Walmart and you're talking to probably one of 10 managers. It's easier to get a decision made quickly if you're smaller. The other thing that I think is going to be interesting as they move forward is a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. For example, I know that when you look at their conference planning departments, they most likely signed two or three year deals or deals that are two or three years out, which means now that you merge them, you're sitting on a a lot of contracts that frankly have attrition clauses in them. When you sign a contract with a hotel for a conference, especially one of the size that they do, in a number of instances, if you cancel it and don't fill it, you're paying. And so I think right now with the other thing we're going to look at again behind the scenes is who goes where, what do we do with these things? But again, that kind of goes back to the point that the devil is in the details. We did talk about that last time as well. I think the only recurring thing I have heard since the vote tally with it. The only thing I've heard that even comes close to being hesitation is simply, I think there's still some discussion about how the dues are going to work. Are they going to be, and I know in the, in, in the summer, there was a bit of a, a, like a one week's worth of controversy about people were wondering if they're going to have to pay dues to one organization or both organizations and when that's going to stop. And, And I don't know what the resolution of that is, but that is the only, that's genuinely the only thing I've heard in the week that's gone by since the merger vote. That's the only thing I've heard that's been still somewhat of a question about, and we'll see. I, again, I think the two organizations have done a good job communicating about the merger. Um, there's still some questions though. So relative to dues and do you pay one, do you pay two and do they go up or do they go down? To me, I would have was there discussions when they did these roundtables of do they go up or do they go out? And one of the advantages, obviously, is if there's only one, theoretically, there should be a net savings potentially to being a member of one as opposed to being a member of two. But I never really, I never really looked into the FAQs and I, I wasn't privy to being at those calls or anything. But is that something that's still, even that is up in the air? What are the dues going to be? Dollar-wise? I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean Dennis, dollar-wise. I, I don't know the answer to that, I, I, but I do know that there was all I'm telling, I guess what I'm saying is there's, there's still some, some you're, what you're just said is, is very typical of what I've heard from some crediting CEOs. And back in the summer, there was some initial mis, misapprehension about that, but I think it was clearly resolved because they, they voted in high numbers to get, to sure. get the murder. Yeah, great point. Great point. You don't get 86% with the lack of comfort of the majority. Well, from what I understand that I, we had. Anthony Demagog from NAFQ speak at one of my conferences. I think he talked about it again. This was back in, in September. He talked about everybody paying the dues they've been paying to their particular group for the next year. Now, as John said, 
what what happens the year after that? Or as you said, Mark, what happens if you're a member of both? Historically, right. they ask you dues a bit cheaper. If I'm a member of both groups and you say, I'm going to pay the dues I paid, I'd say, fine, I'll pay my NAFQ dues. I choose that one. Yeah. You just cut it. Oh. And this is a good discussion to have, but I think in, in, as we get past it into the rearview mirror, I think a lot of, of other important things are going to be take over and, and take precedence. For instance, how are the organizations going to merge and move their advocacy? And how's that unified voice going to manifest itself? I don't, when there's a, when there's a contentious issue on Capitol Hill, they used to have, you know, CUNA and NAFQ sometimes would take slightly or very different positions. That's not going to be the case anymore. They're going to have one position, but how are they going to arrive at that? And is it going to be something that makes credit unions happy? That's going to be, I mean, I, I want to see this thing road tested. I think we, I think we all do. And I think you're absolutely right is because they and had different, you know, sometimes fairly divergent opinions. And some fairly significant issues, not smaller things. And how they reconcile that, and again, it goes back to the point I was making earlier. What happens if what they decide isn't what I want? I'm a $15 billion credit union with a couple of other billion-dollar credit unions as friends who think the way I think. Again, I'm not advocating they do that. I'm just saying you're foolish if people don't look and say, okay, we've got to handle this thing carefully. And, it, and at what point does some issue that's not handled the way I like it, I being that credit union you mentioned, and I got a friend down the street in the neighboring state that we go, you know what, we'd like to have choice. Let's look at starting a smaller advocacy group. Uh, what's your prediction? A, will that happen? And how many years will it take? I'll let John go first because I've got an interesting answer. Go ahead, John. I would say that the smartest people in the credit union movement that, that I know, almost all of them think that, that having a second organization develop is possible, but none of them put any flesh on the bones about how that's going to work. So it's an interesting theoretical proposition, but until something actually happens to bring people together and say, we need a second organization, and they actually talk about how we're going to do step one, step two, step, I don't, it's, to me, talk is cheap, it, but it does. Like I said, all the smartest people that I know seem to think it's a distinct possibility. I just don't know what to think. My feeling would be it may not evolve like a second trade association. It may evolve more like an informal roundtable with, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on large cranes, but since they tend to drive a lot of discussion, I could see a group of large cranes putting together a roundtable quote unquote, that just may happen to have a difference of opinion. But again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that's what should happen or will happen. I'm just saying it's something that, again, I, Jim and I and Mark, we've seen it happen before. Sure. You know, sure. I mean, yeah. You know, History might not repeat itself, but it certainly does rhyme. That's what yeah. does. But having said that, I will say that yeah, this merger, and then you look at the PSCU co-op merger from yesterday. It certainly appears that the growing trend is what we need to consolidate. We need to consolidate for a larger mass. And again, as we get fewer and fewer credits down below 4,900, they started, I think there were 27,000. I hate to sound like the old guy in the room. It's one of those things where you go, okay, never been a year where it went up. 
So it's going to keep going down. Well, going yeah. down, there's fewer and fewer people to serve and groups and any type of arrangement with credit unions have to look at that. Not only credit unions, but trade associations and now vendors. This merger and the vendor, the merger in the QSO vendor world, it, it's, it's like the song. It's a sign of the times. This is, this seems to be the trend. It's definitely out there. One thing I had heard about a lot during this merger discussion is the need for economies, greater economies of scale. It's not that people are trying to be overly cost conscious because they still want value, but I think that is a factor. So again, credit unions, look, the good news is, and this bears mentioning, probably should have said it right off the bat, from an advocacy perspective, credit unions are very easy to represent. There's just a great, they have a great story. There's a natural uh, affinity for credit unions among Congress. It's been a, it's been a joy in my career, 35 plus years now in the credit union space. It's the kind of group you want to go to the Hill and represent. And that's the the best news of all. And now you've got a brand new shiny object. that's going to be a merged organization. And I, I expect them to approach the job with a lot of energy. That's a great point. Jeff, you talk about that round table. So I'm going to predict the round tables are the round tables start early 2025 and the end of 26, they're talking about how they're going to actually structure it in some sort of organization. The organization uh, gets formed late 2027. That's my prediction. Those are your words. You just suggested it. Those are all my words. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's all my words. And and, and in episode 12,000 of with flying colors in, in January, 2028, I'll come on here and if I was right, I'll come on here and do it. You mean, you mean when Mark Trichel is named CEO of the new group? A, a nice pivot. Oh, nope. Not a, one of you guys or others out there. It's, now, it's, I've heard people to come in on that. I'm yeah, true. Be active. Uh, so what else? The dues is an issue that's unanswered question. Are there other things you're hearing or other things in your head of, okay, in 2024, what else do we need to? What else might we learn about how this or new organization works? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that happened that's interesting. In the same day, last, last week, the same day I talked to both a CUNA board member and a NAFQ board member, and they both talked about the way they're going to handle the, the buildings that the two organizations have. There's a CUNA has some Madison property and NAFQ, of course, has a building over in the suburb, the Virginia suburbs of Washington. And it's interesting that on the same day, I don't think they choreographed this, but two of the board members mentioned that is something that they're still deliberating about and need to discuss. And again, that'll be part of the overall cost economies of scale discussion, wouldn't it? True. true. Yeah. And and just a thought, do you think some of these things, it's easier, it's easier, how do I want to say this? Some of these things, they probably have an idea of where it's going to land, but it might have been easier to have that land after the vote, right? And the reality of that is, like on the due side, I think the two groups probably have a sense of that, but they couldn't, they needed to get to the finish line and it's going to play out how it plays out. But it's like I was, when I, I just talked to Lenwood Brooks about the NCUA board and they're having their budget briefing next week. Um, 
but lo and behold, we all know that they're already thinking about what's going to happen after that, right? It's just that they're, and they're not going to talk about it at that budget briefing next week, and it's going to be what's in the final budget in December. So there's some of those things that will start to reveal themselves, and my guess would be that might be on the dues. I think, as John said, they did a really good job of explaining this and getting out. And I think you're right. I think some of this stuff is easier if you wait until everybody approves it, because to do it before that just frankly sets up more potential roadblocks. Right. Someone saying, I don't want to be in Manson. I don't want to be in that building. What are we going to And I think, as I said, they did a great job between Nussel and Berger of getting out there, making themselves available. They were, you want to talk about a road show. Those guys were everywhere. Yeah, that you're right. Being available, taking the questions, answering the ones you can and not answering, but the FaceTime they did, I think that's how, I think that's how they got the votes that they did is they were available and they answered what they could. I think all these issues are worth discussing and and irrelevant. But I think, again, the most important questions are going to be moving forward, getting away from these kind of the the logistics of what we're talking about and and getting down to how are these organizations, how is this new organization going to change, going to transform and going to work with credit unions as they transform. And credit unions are are a constantly evolving body. And hopefully the new trade association is going to match that and, and help credit unions become the Somebody said this is like not going to be CUNA 2.0 or NAFTA 2.0, and that's a good sound bite. But let's help credit unions get to the next point, whatever, 2.0, 3.0, because credit unions need, I think, need a dot dynamic organizations representing them here in Washington. And how about the leagues? I, you know, I think we touched on this previously, but so the leagues worked with CUNA before. How Have you heard anything about how the leagues where the leagues are at relative to any is it status quo for them or is there are there tweaks that have been made known public that you're aware of i'll say this i'm a league oriented guy i always when i was with cuna i was very much i hope known as somebody who was an advocate for the leagues kind of continued that the leagues have a tremendous and unique role to play I've not heard anything that would diminish that role. In fact, I hope that the new organization recognizes just how much of an influence the leagues can have in channeling all the credit union energy and talent from the, each state and bringing it to to to, he, to the to the DC world. Leagues are great players in this, and like I said, I have not heard anything to the contrary. But I sure hope everyone recognizes that. Well, they, they do play a great role. Jeff, your thoughts? Well, again, as credit unions and all three of us have been around, we're used to that term leagues, but sometimes if, if you put it in a state association, bankers have similar things and they did. And again, I think John's right though. The leagues play, have played a good role and they should continue to play a good role because it's just, it's harder, it's harder sometimes to get everybody moving at once without that league structure. Um, and John, to his credit, always has been a supporter of the league system. And we work together, but, and that's, again, I think one of the strengths that CUNA had when you've got a strong league system, it makes everything else work a little easier. I totally agree with that. As an RD, as an executive director, that the role of the leagues were always very important. And that local control is a big part of it. So. Are there any other questions on this that I should have asked, gentlemen? I do have one more question for John that I asked Jeff Solo. 
about concerts and stuff, but we'll get to that in a second. But any other questions I should have asked as it relates to America's credit unions and this merger? You could have asked about the staffing, but I don't think anybody has any answers, including the people at TUNA and NAFTU. I think there was, there's been some discussion to make sure that new organizations have a, keep an eye on the concept of diversity. I know that last week I was, I spent a little time at the NCUA diversity summit and there was some discussion of that. Right. Uh, That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's clearly an, an important issue these days. Um, but I don't think the questions are fine, but I don't know if we, any of us have, have any real answers. Yeah. Jeff, any other last thoughts on that? Well, again, I hate to say I, I agree with John, but yeah, it's going to be another one of those things that has to play out. And I don't think, I don't think anybody, and to be honest with you, maybe even the people that are going to make the decisions don't know yet. Like, I make well, it, it, take some trial and error as to, as to how it works out going forward because, as I said, the people that are going to make the decisions in some cases may not have even worked with some of the people that may be coming in. Yeah, that's, that shouldn't even be considered a criticism because it's good that they're talking that, that they're, and that they're learning by doing and that they're, the concept that everybody, that all of us are smarter than any one of us. It's, to me, it's healthy to see smart people get into a room and figure things out as they, as they experience things. That's, that's good. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fabulous. Great point. Great points, guys. And so, John, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Jeff to repeat what I asked him before. So you have time to think. I didn't give Jeff a whole lot of time, but I asked him what his first concert was and what his favorite or best conference conference, his best concert was. And then I told him what mine were. My first, I have two first concerts. The first one I went to was with my parents. I went and saw Sonny and Cher at the Minnesota State Fair. Then my first solo, I think I was in ninth grade, was when Cheap Trick at Budokan had just come out. And I saw Cheap Trick and the warm-up band. Was, I was fortunate. It was a great warm-up band, the Romantics. <laughs> and <laughs> what I like of, of what I like about you, fame. And my favorite was I saw Genesis two years ago in Boston as they did their last domino tour. And it was their last time they presumably will ever play in the United States. And they closed in Boston because their first concert when they came here back in the 70s was in Boston. Now, Jeff, do you remember who you told me your favorite was? Because I do. I think I told you my favorite was probably Peter Gabriel, who I had just seen. But you had, you mentioned them, but there was a band, Little Feet, I think. Little that, Feet uh, was fun. Little Feet was interesting. Yeah. Because... Maybe it was a tie between those two. And now, John, I can tell John's struggling. He's going to go, oh, gosh, what was oh. first? And what was I, best, but a Mac, he threw this on me like two seconds in because if you follow Mark on LinkedIn, he talks a lot of times about just buy the tickets. And I actually, my wife and I just did that for Gabriel. And so I wanted to give him credit. So I posted that and he started with that. Actually, as I go back, probably one of my favorite concerts would have been the police and the ghost in Chicago. Nice. And I saw, my, my sisters I, were big fans. And I had to go in one night and take them with me. And then the next, I didn't have tickets, so I had to drive them into Chicago and sit in the car. They went to oh the my. That's a, You're a good brother. Yeah, please. It was sure it was probably stressful when I found it. I saw the police go-go tour back. It was 82. And I saw here in, in, in Maryland. The go-go's were the opening act for the police. And they, to me, the go-go's kind of kicked 
kick butt that night. Much, much better received by the crowd than the police were, if I remember correctly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My first concert was the Beach Boys in the summer of 1978. And they were, at the time, even then, they were an oldies band, but I love the Beach Boys, still do. My favorite, you know what the best concert? I mean, I've seen McCartney, I've seen Springsteen many times, the Stones once. I think the best concert I ever saw probably was Van Morrison. Really? And he did a, an outdoor concert. And he's supposedly somebody who has suffered from stage fright over his career, which I didn't know. But boy, you couldn't tell it that night. He was just phenomenal. And so that's one concert that sort of stands out. They're all pretty good. There's very few disappointments on that front. Yeah, buy the tickets. Yeah, Van the Man, he's uh, he's yeah. quite a musician. I've heard about his stage fright issue. When we saw him once and the background was all black and he, this was later at this was not a, this is only a few years ago and he was wearing all black and we didn't have good seats. So we could, you, you didn't even know where he was because of the, and I, I thought it might've been attributed to his stage fright, but he's phenomenal. All right, guys, this well, was fun was it, as was always. It wasn't one thing. Johnny yeah. hit at the same concert. What is it? What was it? that? Elvis, Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Uh, at Wolf Trap. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I named my daughter the song allison yeah 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 he's put on a lot of great I, he's somebody i may have seen i may have seen elvis more than anybody else but yeah so I, I remember that that's that well you know what someday we'll all be at a concert and we'll have a we'll have a separate podcast about that. <laughs> that's the deal Thank that's you. the deal that's a good and it's a wrap thanks guys i appreciate your time thanks and as always, it's a lot of fun. And listeners, I want to thank you for listening. Mark Trichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 